Welcome back to the PC Per Podcast. It's episode 649. It's October 20 as we record this. 2021, I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Sprunberg. And you can subscribe to find out when we go live by signing up for our email list. Yes, in 2021, we still offer a text email notification system because we're old school. And we're you know, unique. dozens of people enjoy that service. Yes, we are unique. And you can go to patreon.com slash pcper. Become a patron. Do we have um, a this week on Patreon update, Brett? Quick update, uh, just uh, letting everybody know that there is still not a mass exodus from our Patreon. You can be part of that I, I, lack of a mass exodus. <laughs> yes, please continue that complete and we'll total name lack drop of you mass on exodus. The show. Hmm. Sometimes fairly, fairly hard name drop, but yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the things that... Thank you very much, folks. Yes, but anyway, thank you. Please and continue. one of the things that obviously a lot of you love, Josh talking about food. And we're going to go to Josh in Laramie, Wyoming now. So I, I actually had a burger today, and I'm kind of shocked that they had a different burger from last week because last week seemed so over the top that they'd have to keep it for another week to be able to sell everything. But that apparently was not the case because today <clears throat> I had the Big Iron Burger. I think Big Iron was um, a song by Marty Robbins. And this is in in honor of said Mr. Robbins. Uh, Big Iron Burgers is uh, comprised of Texas Jack, breaded jalapenos, bacon, and pepper jack. And plus there's a spicy barbecue sauce that they didn't list on their menu, but it was definitely in there. So two different types of cheese, breaded jalapenos, bacon. It all turned out to be quite tasty and... You know, the pictures don't exactly do it justice. But there was a sad thing about that because they, they no longer hand cut their fries. And I think I talked about it last week, but just can't get enough food prep help to uh, do it. The owner's down in the basement doing food prep all day and finally got to the point where he just had to get pre-done frozen French fries. And happily, they're tasty, too. So hmm. not losing out on much. Oh, good. They always come out perfect, so we're good. Josh, the big iron name reminds me of an IBM mainframe, really. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What was the AIX? What was the the operating system on those things? I think it was AIX. Yeah. I think it was AIX was one of them. Um, Yeah, it was the the, the OS that just never crashed, but... Configuring it. Those VMS or their VM or whatever other. I don't know. Anyway. Old. Old. Very old. 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 But you know what's not old. One of the first SSDs was installed in the Cray, though. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. I did not know. Oh, you saw that on Twitter, Jeremy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because you posted it for Al. 1986? Yeah. Look at the I.O. channel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's that black bar that connects <laughs> the semicircle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's your infinity fabric. Yeah. You know, I liked it when a computer came with its own seating arrangement. Oh, that is cool. It looks like something out of a mall in the 80s. 
Is this what is this person doing here? They're crying. <laughs> Cry. Yeah. yeah. Cry. There's something going a little wrong. Company. I recognize that pose. <laughs> We owe how much in electricity costs this month? <laughs> but it's so much faster than a hard drive. Yeah. I told you not to kick that wire. So this is what an SSD board, a board looked like in 1986. And that was one meg of cash. So to get to one gigabyte, think of how many of those they had to have installed. Well, it looks like it stood and about 10 feet tall. What's that? I said it looks like it stood about 10 feet tall. Yeah, those things were huge. I've, I've sat by one, and they, they had it kind of cut out with plexiglass. This was in 1991. And, yeah, it's just board after board after board stacked in those things. Mm. And it's just, yeah, they must have pulled so much power, and they required so much cooling. Oh, gosh. It wasn't even funny. But they were, uh, they, they were neat products for the time. Cray did some, some really cool oh. stuff. And now, yeah, 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 all the processing power and storage, far more storage. storage. Yeah. Yeah. In a phone. How time flies. Mm. Speaking of those wily Mm. phone makers. Yeah. Remember when Apple just bought a chip company and slowly started working towards having their own iPhone? When am I going to get my $18 chamois, though? PA Semi. PA Semi. That was the company they bought. So anyway, fast forward to 2021. Apple has made another announcement. Of course, the M1 processor was their first foray into their own desktop chip, much to Intel's chagrin. Now there is the M1 Pro and M1 Max. There had been rumors about an M1X. Apparently, this is X. This is Pro and Max. And the difference between the two is going to be uh, basically GPU. But this was, I think this was this yesterday? Time flies. This was two days ago. It's a couple days ago. Uh, They claim, now the CPU and these two are actually the same. They claim it is about 70% faster CPU core performance than the original M1. But the M1 Pro, they say, has 2x the GPU power, and you get to 4x the GPU with the, the Max. And here's a look at the chip. This is the Pro. And you'll see, of course, the big differences in memory, because you get up to the Max, and now you have doubled that. And you can get up to 64 gigabytes of unified memory with... Up to 200, let's see, the Pro has up to 200 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. That's pretty good. I mean, it's, the graphics card we looked at last week, the 6600 non-XT was about 224, 225. And then you move up to 400 gigabytes per second, of course, because you have more memory channels with the M1 Max. 64 gigabytes of memory with up to 400 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. Now, obviously, this is unified memory. It can be used for the CPU or GPU. But just imagine what it would cost to buy a GPU with 64 gigabytes of VRAM. And if you're doing something that is almost entirely GPU compute, having that much VRAM seems like a really big deal to me. And this is actually available in a MacBook Pro. 
Yeah. In a laptop, even. Yes. Yeah. Hard to believe. Has Apple become like a viable workstation contender all of a sudden? Yeah, for certain possibly work. use cases, it seems. I mean, the top end one seems like it'd be doing fine for video type work because you got all that memory oh, yeah. to mess with. The mid range probably more, you know, photo work type uh, centric. Um, you know, making a large GPU on a CPU with really close memory is is something we've seen for a couple of generations now from AMD, but. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to uh, to downplay what Apple has done here, but this is a pretty impressive uh, bit of packaging uh, that they've done with this chip. And the I.O. is insane. I mean, what, up to 400 gigabyte per second? That's that's nuts. That's, that's you know, 30, 60, 30, 70, you know, RTX uh, type speeds with, you know, wide memory buses and fast GDDR6. So... Uh, yeah, this is uh, kind of a fascinating, uh, fascinating piece of technology that Apple has put out in a mobile product. I mean, it just—that's bizarre. But I'll take it because we've had rumors of, of you know the AMD APUs for you know mobile and the server stuff that would have HBM memory attached to it, or you know some kind of local memory that would really up its performance, and, and we've just never seen that come to fruition they've they've you know enlarged the caches on there the uh what i can't remember what the hell they label it game cache but anyway um so they've gone that route rather than you know do more interesting interconnects and and but as we're moving forward and how they've done their io for their cpus um they're they're you know certainly going for a little bit more flexibility and and i'll be curious to see what they do because Couple of months, we're going to see their uh, 3D V cache, which is kind of mind-boggling when you think of what they have to do to be able to actually manufacture that. Um, but I mean, they've done—you know—they've they, worked up to that point. But I'm sorry, I'm going away from <laughs> Apple and what they've done. But yeah, that was a stream of thought. Uh, but no, it's 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 uh, interconnects and uh, packaging. All those things are going to become very, very important uh, if, uh, as they try to extract as much performance as possible out of all these chips, whether it be AMD, Intel, or in this case, Apple, with a really interesting packaging technology. And uh, the performance is, I mean, in theory, looks good. And I'm going to be very interested to see you know, what real-world type uh, results we, we get with this uh, kind of combination. It's... It's going to be interesting. Yeah, speaking of theoretical they have performance, a f- oh, yeah, sorry, you, go ahead. Brett, you had linked to this. Paul Lilly um, over at Hot Hardware had written about some benchmarks of the new, uh, is this the Pro or Mac? No, the M1 Max. No. And this, this is, is hot news. GFX Bench, so this is uh, more of a mobile yeah, This is like a hot take, so this isn't necessarily, yeah. you know, for no, real this is one. I mean, you're just, if anybody's going to talk about gaming performance, they're going to want, like, specific newer titles. Oh, yeah. Real-world yeah. situations. Yeah. But just looking at, you know, GFX Bench, which you can run on, you know, pretty much anything, and doing off-screen 1080p testing. They did some other stuff, some DirectX testing. It, it looks like... This is somewhere in like the 2080 performance class, 
but I don't think that's really what they would be going for. And plus, there's really nothing. How many games run natively on M1? Are, are you sure they said 2080? I thought they said it was just shy of actually a 3080 and and just over a 3070 mobile. These are mobile, and and the low power version of the 3080 mobile. So okay, I guess what I had that. previously read was we're talking desktop 2080. Oh so sure, mobile, yeah, that makes sense. Mobile 3070, yeah. 3080, but. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily sort of, you maybe want to take it to the mobile as for a comparison's sake, considering that is, you know, they are trying to do a mobile chip. And Josh, you were talking about what they did on their silicon. I just wanted to also mention they have a bunch of other fixed uh, fixed function silicon on there as well, especially for doing video decoding and encoding and stuff like that. Oh, nice. It has ProRes encode decode in hardware. Yeah. yeah. So if you happen to use ProRes for your, you know, high resolution video needs, then there's hardware built in for that. I think that was a separate piece of, like an ex- a separate expansion card for the Mac Pro currently. You know, you're right. Hardware. It was called, um, oh, I don't remember what it was called. It had a kind of a funny Apple-like name to it anyway, but... Magic? Uh, I don't know. It was like Super Duper Magic card or something. Slot. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're super, also doing H264. Yeah. They're doing H264, H265 and hardware as well. Very similar to what a lot of GPUs can do. So it should be great for people who do a lot of, uh, you know, high performance video on the go and don't need to retreat to the editing suite anymore. Right. I'm just, just curious as to what the implication of M1 Max is to a future iMac. There, I know there's a rumor that t- early 2022, there's going to be a new iMac with this or right. a future Mac Pro. Because if, if this scales and they can release something with, say a 64 core GPU or 20 CPU cores. Right. That could be very interesting. But once now, again, you have to be on their architecture. You have to be M1 optimized. They've opened the power spigot on this one versus the previous M1. They've, you know, that was very, very low power chip. This is, if you add it all up and you loaded everything up, you know, you're into some major wattage at that point. I remember they had a chart there that actually showed it. It's actually respectable, meaning that it's not that uncomparable to Intel's or AMD's mobile chips, more AMD's really, from a power consumption at full load. So to your point, once they get a, a larger chassis around this, I think they're, obviously their thermal envelope gets even more impressive because they generally don't give off a lot of heat for their performance. They're, they pride themselves on their performance per watt. Yeah, and They're doing really well at it. We can't talk so, about M1 Pro and Max notch. without talking about the, the new machines that have these processors in them. And of course, I'm talking about the MacBook Pro because that's all I've announced so far. Brett, do you have some observations oh, yeah. about this? You know, it's easy to poke fun at the fact that they have notched their laptop. And you know what? My first reaction was to point and laugh. But on second thought, I looked at it and I went, why did they do this? And how, who in their right mind would think that they could get away with this? And then I looked at what it was that they had done. Brett, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm looking at their marketing images here and I don't see a notch because they just have a black bar at the top of the screen so you can't see it. You're right about that. Oh, wait, here it is. You can see it at this angle. Oftentimes, I think a lot of applications won't show it because their full screen implementation or their full size window will be below the notch. 
they've done two things mm. here with with regards to alleviating the fact they have notched their laptop. And I almost can't stop laughing when I say it. But the serious side of it says two things. One, that their screens have all almost always traditionally been 16 by 10, right? The Mac has sort of been sort of a mainstay in the 16 by 10. Um, yeah. Keeper of the of the you know taller aspect ratio. If you look at the pixel density and the pixel resolutions of these laptops, they're actually slightly larger than 16 by 10, meaning that they have actually more height than their previous 16 by 10 laptops. Yes, yeah, so, so I, they can I, I actually. That's what you meant by that. They yes. So that what I'm saying is that they can actually keep the same ratio as all of the other laptops and sort of give up that top. Eh, that's you know particularly so right. If you just letterbox it a little bit, then you have the same aspect bit. ratio as last year's. But exactly, if right. you have an application that can throw <laughs> some info up there to the left and right of the notch, just like with the iPhone, yeah. and not like you Windows, have extra screen real estate. So Windows sort of carries the the control panel or the control bar with all of its applications and sort of homes that control bar with each launched application. But the Mac operating system has the control panel, or, or I'm sorry, the control bar or the, the, the title bar for all of the applications the at menu the top bar. of the screen. The menu bar, exactly, is at the top of the screen constantly. And they've made the notch <laughs> so that the menu bar is sort of within that notch vertical space. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're not going to miss it anyway. I know that's sort of a poor excuse, but I kind of tried to put my head where, what were they thinking? And you you were justifying it. Up with. You were like, "How can I justify I this?" I want to go as far as how can I make excuses? Yeah, how can I? Because it's easy for me to go. Idiotic what were decision. They thinking? All right, I was um, waiting for that. It's genius. You know, shoot, I never thought. Shoot me full of arrows. That cutting part of a display <laughs> out, which, by the way, is problematic. It Look is. at the display replacement program that's been in place for a long time with the original yeah. iPhone 10. Mm. Mine, yeah, by true. the way, was replaced twice under warranty. Ooh, and once, hurtful. actually, once off warranty because of the replacement program. They did actually bulk up the entire machine chassis. It's well, not right, because they put the I.O. on it again. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Because here we are. Really? I, I have a 2015 yeah, MacBook With an Pro. HDMI 2.0 port yeah. from the looks of it? Good point. Yeah, yeah I got to wonder yeah, about that we, one. We, we don't know the TDP of of that uh, of that chip yet. A big, big, big. It's a big chip. Yeah, it's yeah, on a yeah. new they, five nanometer process. Mm-hmm. They may have needed the girth to give it a little bit more uh, gravitas, yeah. a cooling. <laughs> this this yeah. looks Especially like an old PowerBook G4 almost with the the lines here. Um, I've I've heard comparisons to the old polycarbonate. Really, with the whole you know the way that that shape is. But yeah, go on. Uh, SDXC slot, Thunderbolt 4 and HDMI 2.0 on one side. MagSafe 3 on the other side. MagSafe is back. Thunderbolt 4, two more. And a headphone jack. So this is pretty much a laptop. This is actually something you can use without a bunch of dongles to forget and cords and nonsense. It's actually a legitimate laptop again. They haven't made a real laptop since 2015 until now. So now they have it again. Because 2015 was the last year of, you know, real I.O. on a laptop for them. How'd that the uh, touch bar work out for them? Yeah, yeah they dropped <laughs> the that. touch too. bar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is they finally put full size. This is the first time on a laptop that they've ever put full size function Kiro on a laptop. 
They've always been like sort of half height keys, like the uh, like the arrow keys. Well, in the you know, right there. Steve didn't like function keys. He thought they were inelegant. <laughs> Well, of course he did. Okay. So, I mean, to distill what they did down is like they finally came to their senses and backtracked on most of the things that people were complaining of loud. Well, they did the keyboard first. About. They brought back True. The, the, the butterfly versus yeah, the scissor mechanism. And then yeah. mm-hmm. now they're like, you know what? I, I think professionals would live with a few extra millimeters if it got them, you know, a usable machine again. Plus, I think everybody screamed that. Yeah. Plus, they have the. Well, they can. They probably just did this as an afterthought to make people happy when they realized, oh no, we cannot fit this new chip in our existing slim chassis. No, the the two realities combined. Yeah. Like, dang it! It wasn't just Intel. It's just anytime you have a more power hungry chip, <clears throat> it's hard to. And they make it ditched work. the touch bar because. Because it sucked. SK Hynix, in in their newsroom today, they have announced development of HBM three. So they will be the first in the industry to successfully develop the High Bandwidth Memory 3, the world's best-performing DRAM, according to their press release here. And this is the fourth generation of HBM, of course, because we had HBM, HBM2 and HBM2E. And now we're going to so have the, HBM3. So the fourth gen is HBM3. Okay. Every- yes. This is up to 819 gigabytes per second. 78% increase compared to to HBM2E. Can you imagine oh. putting four channels of this together? Wait a minute. I thought we were just talking about terabyte per second bandwidth on previous uh, on Radeon 7. That was with four HBM2 oh. memory channels. Right. right. They were able to do that simultaneously. Yeah, okay. Right. So, yeah. this is big. And two capacity types, uh, 24 and 16 gigabytes. So just two channels of this, you could have up to 32 gigabytes, and that would be like 1.6 terabytes per second of bandwidth. Are any current generation AMD workstation cards still based on Vega architecture? I think for the Apple ecosystem, they are, right? Because they have the... Or no, are those RDNA too? I don't know, actually. Mm. I I think they're RDNA because they're, they're recently, after those... Those Mac Pros came out, their uh, OS started to support RDNA 2, so I, I believe so. Yeah. I wonder if this will end up just being one of those big NVIDIA, like, work, you know, graphics accelerator workstation things. And they'll never make it to a consumer product, but it's interesting. Mm. Mm-mm. Not at all. Okay. Hate it. <laughs> well, okay. it's time for Jeremy to, to press us all. With more, you know, bugs and problems, security issues. Yeah, it what blows is up on time? Sunday, doesn't What's it? What's the global displacement system story that you wrote? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a time-traveling device, but... <laughs> uh, well, technically, yes, it will be uh, traveling back in time <laughs> oh, okay. by about a decade on uh, Sunday because uh, of a bug that uh, version got because they were dealing with a forthcoming leap second and a little bit of math got screwed up. But this has happened before. This has actually happened before twice where uh, GPSD, which is a little program that helps uh, applications talk to GPS satellites. And so everything from, you, you know, little IOT crap to various things like Kismat and Roadmap, which are like open source alternatives to Google Maps, 
um, straight through to like driverless cars, marine navigation buoys, uh, apparently some military IFF and rockets. <clears throat> the, the, the thing is that when they first started putting up GPS satellites, they figure, ah, 10 bits, unsigned is just fine. And it keeps track by week. So every week it increments from zero to one to two to three, which unfortunately means that every 1,024 weeks it rolls over to zero. And suddenly a lot of the people that are, you know, doing time coordinates based off of uh, NPD and then trying to go to this, it doesn't match anymore. All of a sudden stuff just doesn't work quite right. Uh, your location data starts getting corrupted and stuff. And so it turns out that there is literally one retired engineer out in Nebraska, uh, Omaha specifically, that literally is the only one keeping this thing alive. And so somebody that's got a lot of access to various testing and doing GPS stuff actually found this bug and pointed it out to him. And sure enough that, yeah, uh, good old Gary Miller, the one and only, uh, and who is literally featured in an XKD comic. Although I don't think Randall Monroe actually knew this was completely as accurate as it was, uh, is now try have put out a patch. So if you're running anything that's using GPS that hasn't, you don't sort of check up to make sure that, you know, it's still talking to NTP properly and that it knows where the hell it is. You might want to patch it. Uh, if you're using Ubuntu or a couple of the other uh, distros, it's already been rolled in uh, because a lot of the kit, of course, is going to be running that. But again, if you didn't update it, it's not going to be updated. So if you don't update it, you got a 100% chance stuff is going to go wrong. Whereas hey. if you do update it, you're fine. Sebastian, would you click through to that XKCD comic, please, just so we can have a visual indication? Oh, come of exactly. on! If, if you don't know what this is, you don't deal with computer programming. No, much people at all. deal with this. People deal with this, but the, the picture is worth all the words. A project some random person in Nebraska has been thanklessly maintaining since 2003. For that guy, probably <laughs> older. Actually, it was it all was modern digital infrastructure. Yeah. All modern yeah. digital infrastructure. What's yep, going to happen when he stops spindly little? Yeah, he doesn't want to do it anymore. Well, I mean, he's retired. He's probably getting <laughs> up there, and there's yeah, not too many beings. people that are willing to do it for free. They don't live um, forever. But yeah, uh, and again, uh, once if you have patched, it's uh, Saturday, November twentieth, twenty thirty-eight. That you will once again have to roll everything and deal with the back because it's not like we can go up to the satellites and move them onto a more reasonable. Type of I'm sure everybody's patched the random IoT firmware that needs this, so there probably won't be a problem. It's fine. I'm just hoping the the American military is patched whichever rockets it is that apparently use this for positioning. Yeah. Well, all the rockets will suddenly be in the past, so it's fine, right? <laughs> hmm. That's wrong. all right. How about something less that. depressing, like okay, how if you run out of ink with certain all-in-one printer scanner copier things you're not allowed to use the scanner and i know this is about a canon product but i think brother was guilty of this too because my mom had one of these years ago yes she oh. call me for support on it and when she was low on ink she couldn't do anything but here we go Glass no, you can't scan lawsuit. you can't fax can't do shite right until you use and and please be sure to use genuine canon <laughs> not ridiculous I, I like Not your tag HP of dirty. Not that HP is in court right now for this. 
I like your tag of dirty pool on this one, by the way. Uh, there's uh, a whole uh, slew of articles with that keyword. Oh, really? Oh. And all of them this. are... Dirty pool. 24 of these you've written. Interesting. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Not everything deserves it, but when they do, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, a new way I mean, right to make now, you regret buying a printer. Because, yeah, and as if you need any. Because they started out going on about <laughs> HP. they weren't scummy enough. <laughs> for... for HP has had all sorts of this sort of stuff in the past and is currently in court for the whole thing where they started scanning uh, the firmware of the ink that you'd installed in the HP printer and disabling if it wasn't genuine HP. And apparently, I didn't realize this, but the shareholders are now suing some of the owners of HP for uh, artificially trying to drive sales. I, I have no idea if these two are related or not. So the point was that Canon should bloody well know better than to do something this ridiculously blatant. So yeah, there's a, a class action lawsuit down in the States with over 100 members uh, and 20 different models of Canon with uh, the usual upper limit of $5 million in damages for this type of class action suit because mm. yeah, literally there are a bunch of them that the second that it starts to detect low ink levels will no longer scan. It will no longer fax. It will no longer do anything, but probably take you directly to the Canon website to order more ink. It's ridiculous. You should figure this bloody stuff out. Just don't do it. Let's pause here for a word from our podcast sponsor this week. Hey, there's some big news from my new favorite home security company. Simply Safe is extending their protection to the outside of your home and has just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. Named by US News and World Report as the best home security system of 2021, Simply Safe now just got even better. Their brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with the features you want and need to help keep you and your family informed and safe. The camera's got a nice field of view at 140 degrees, making it easier to keep watch over your outdoor spaces. The 1080p HD resolution is backed up with an 8x zoom, making it possible to more clearly see things like faces or vehicle details like license plates. Hey, it's also got a built-in spotlight with color night vision, making it easy to see what's going on all day and night. It's simple to set up with an easy-to-remove rechargeable battery, making it possible to deploy anywhere on your property. The new camera also integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, of course. So now every door, window, and room are protected, and now your property can be too. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/pcper. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/pcper. Take a look today. We're back, and we're going to talk very briefly about a few more topics, including some games that are on their way with DXR, Ray Tracing, DLSS. NVIDIA keeps on adding to this list, don't they? This is from Rock Picker Shotgun. So if it launches on console, it's DXR, not RTX. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not like <laughs> there's special RTX versions. And the Unreal Engine... Uh, which is also a lot of them are coming out on is DXR. But if it's not that, or if it's DLSS only, you know, chances are pretty good that uh, it's sort of like Atomic Heart and you're going to need an RTX card that you can't buy, which is awesome. I was just impressed that the list of games has gone from dozen or two to dozens. Yeah. There are quite a few that are already out and more than a few that are coming up. Some of which are interesting, some of which, yeah, well, we'll see. 
I think it's kind of interesting to read between the lines and look at the last couple of NVIDIA announcements when they're talking about RTX games, and it's really just all about DLSS because I think... I mean, it's it's baked into DirectX 12. And DLAI. They're, they're coming out with a new one. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, but and that, that apparently that's for the people who can still drive a 4K monitor, and it's just going to make it prettier. It's not going to make it perform any better. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Next topic, ultra-wide 1440p, four, 144 hertz. Okay, sounds normal. But under four hundred dollars mm-hmm. for said features, and I have to appreciate the Cowboy Bebop wallpaper here, not the new no. series, the original anime. So what is which this also thing? should be available? I might watch that. Yes, it's a Viotech. So Viotech. right off the bat, the Sony is Sony Viotech. But yeah, what's that model name, Jeremy? The uh, GNV 34 of DBE 2. Oh, the DBE 2. Okay, yeah. I thought yes. I okay. No, no, this is, and it's, so it's a VA panel, which is rather nice. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I happen to have the Lenovo and the AOC version essentially of this monitor, and I bought them long enough ago that they were actually priced under 400. I was a little bit surprised to see they'd all gone up. But not this Well, I mean, one. the ultra wide right now just. It'll so, chew through your budget. Yeah, this turns uh, out to be on target, Jeremy. So uh, it's it comes and goes. Like when I posted, it was on Amazon. Uh, right now, it's off. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be on Newegg, but uh, you know it, it's worth keeping an eye out for because it hits all of the buttons except for one. Uh, that stand is fixed, oh, so you can okay. tilt and rotate, but it does not go up and down. So that is a little bit of a pain, and it means that even though it is Vesa 75, you're going to have to include the price of an arm in there if it really does drive you nuts. Then again, you know, I mean, for this sort of price, and yeah, okay, Newegg, it's it's right at 400 bucks right now. It was uh, on sale before. But still, if you want, you know, actual widescreen, if you want to sit there and watch a movie without any black bars, this is not a bad way to go. And with that curvature radius, that's 1500R. Yeah. It's fairly curved, right? It's, no, it's, it's no, pretty that's the less curved one. Yeah, Remember, so, you know, 1000R so. yeah. is pretty curved. 1500 is, you know, a little curve, and 1800R is, is a pretty not terribly noticeable curve. Okay. Because yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the radius. Gotcha. So the yeah. larger the radius, the less extreme the curve is. And VA, typically, the only real complaint about that, because VA has really nice contrast ratio, good blacks, but Correct. not great off-axis at all. But when it's curved, that kind of takes care of that problem. Off-axis isn't isn't bad. It's, it's you know, TN is obviously the off-axis uh, king um, of crappy-looking <laughs> monitors. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, VA has pretty good, um, you know, off-axis is not bad. It just, it doesn't have... The saturation, I think, that IPS does, so it doesn't no. look as look as colorful. It, it is a little bit more drab. A, it's always yeah, a the gamut, off, isn't it? It's the gamut. Yeah. It's a little bit narrower. So yeah. you have to go all the way to OLED to get the color everything you want. The, the, yep. the viewing angles and the contrast. 
Yeah, but I then like you run my into two other versions issues. of this monitor. They they game well. That I don't have any trouble seeing stuff due to the curvature. The curvature doesn't bother me unless I've, I've used a flat panel, and then it takes a, a few minutes to get adjusted to the curvature of things or vice versa, but that's not unusual. They're really good panels, and uh, I think the, really the only difference between the manufacturers on these is some of the electronics and the stand, as you're, as you're pointing out. But the panels are pretty pretty solid up to the they're the like third generation widescreen up to 144 hertz refresh the first ones were up to like 70 the second ones were 100 these are the 144s so they're probably about ready to be retired and the next generation is going to come out so it's about the third generation of this from it's you know probably which is probably why the price is down a little bit lg yeah somebody was complaining the other day it may have been jay-z two cents well yeah but um (laughs) He was uh, going off that, uh, you know, monitors are just so boring anymore. And I just scratched my head and thought, in between 2005 and 2015, monitors were extremely boring. After that, they finally became interesting again. And, uh, you know, now we've got sub $300, like with my wife's 30-inch behind me. That's a 200 hertz IPS monitor that is absolutely gorgeous to look at. And you can get those for just, I mean, it's so amazing what you can get for just dirt cheap. And all of them pretty much have, uh, you know, FreeSync included in there. Um, some of the higher end stuff, obviously, with the G-Sync. But, yeah, I, I think that we're, we're it, it just continues to build after being so stagnant for so long. It's like 24-inch LCD 60 hertz from 2005 to 2015. That was, that was the standard. Didn't do a whole lot of changing panels became slightly better in terms of color and, and you know you had higher end but now it's it's really interesting you get pre-sync you get higher refresh rates you, you get a, a variety of panels you get curvature i mean we're, we're living in nirvana when it comes to monitors as compared to back then so you're saying it was a bad take from from jay <laughs> it was a very bad take yeah, of, of all things like monitors being boring uh, Samsung's all their latest tech, the QLED stuff, that's all, and they have monitors for that. You have increasing presence of OLED stuff. You've got, you know, the curved panel thing is obviously not brand new, but there's and so much stuff ultra, out there. High refresh ultra rate. wides from Samsung. Yeah, those, those the are 49 amazing. inch puppies. Resolutions amazing. keep going up. We're up to, yes. you know, 4K yes. has become commonplace now, and the next frontier is 8K. Not, yeah. It's not boring. I think it's fantastic where, where we're at. FPS review. Mm-hmm. Took a look at overclocking the non-XT6600, and I will skip straight to some results that they got here. If you look just at go, Far Cry just go to the overclocking. Six. Nobody cares about anything else. Yeah. Let's just look at overclocked results. Yeah. Far Cry well, because six. the interesting bit was that yeah. they just used the native uh, AMD software. They didn't use Afterburner. They didn't do anything. They just said, boom, we're going to use the new AMD drivers and we're going to try overclocking that way. Which is Which not a bad way people, to go. Because honestly, yeah, most people didn't. I've tried doing it both ways and Radeon software for overclocking is pretty good. You know, you have total control over your voltage and your frequencies. And you can tweak the memory and play with the, you know, the cooling. And it's it's all pretty yeah. The herd limits actually. were frustrating for them, though. Power limits? No. Well, the power of plus 20 wasn't bad at all. But uh, the memory slider topped out at 1.9 gigahertz. Oh, and they were yeah. still 100% stable at that point. 
but there's no farther. going faster. Okay. And then same with the GPU, only 2.9, and then you're at a hard limit. And so they, they cranked them both up to the max. They're like, it's not artifacting. It, it's perfectly happy. It can obviously go further, but... But I don't think that's something that you will get past just by using Afterburner, though. I thought the well, no, and I think Afterburner's there. power limits are lower. Oh, okay. if I recall correctly. Odd. Maybe that'll be updated because I know that there's different profiles in Afterburner. You can go reference design, MSI design, hybrid, like of both. Yeah. So it doesn't always work perfectly. I, I tend to use EVGA, the precision. Uh, application when I'm overclocking NVIDIA cards, but it's been a while since I've done overclocking in a review. But FPS review, really quick, Far Cry 6, 1080p, Ultra, they they leapfrogged the 3060, basically. So they went from 92 FPS to 99, which was good for a 1 FPS lead over the 3060 Black Gaming that they tested. And it's not a ton, but I mean, eh, here we have Far Cry 6. If you move up to DXR enabled that got them an extra four FPS. It was still behind the 3060. But. No, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Metro enhanced. Uh, apparently the images are not loading. What is that? Well, the odds are more important. Yeah. So here's, here's the uh, Cyberpunk, everybody's favorite title. Uh, good for a, about a two and a half FPS increase by overclocking. There's not a whole lot of headroom with GPUs anymore. No, no, no. Uh, we've talked. It's kind of useless. Yeah, yeah. But it was well, sort of surprising your... how much they got out of it just by pushing the driver power limits. Just kind of one mm-hmm. tweak, yep. and that's all it took. Yeah, there's a lot of headroom with that card as far as power delivery goes because it has an 8-pin right. and only has 132-watt TGP. So, I mean, you can... Just off of PCIe power alone, you could push it way, way higher. So... It, I thought that was only 75 watts. Yeah, 75 from the slot and 75 from a 6-pin. Right. And they have an 8-pin, which is good for 150, yep. right? Yeah, so it's it's two twenty five in theory. I'd say just put two twenty five into it to see what happens. <laughs> Although I thought a lot of like, the first thing I'm ever told about AMD is you go to undervolt, undervolt. I'm like, what does I've that even that. mean? And of course, I know what it means because even Radeon software you can do that. You can lower the voltage, but there's actually a preset when you go into the performance tab. You can choose to like automatically have it scan your GPU and just determine the best undervolted, like, stable undervolt number for you. So, I, hmm. it anyway. seems counterintuitive, but it is the case, apparently. All right, finally, tonight, Lantenna. Hmm. Sniffing packets out of your LAN cables on the cheap. Now, here's something that we haven't seen in a while. The good what, old set-top rabbit ears. Oh, come on, you have to. <laughs> nice picture, Jeremy. And this one's got that, like, extra ring. I don't know, if was that for UHF or VHF? I thought that was for FM. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was for radio. FM. I like these telescopes. I miss, I miss my boombox with a telescoping antenna like this. Those were the days. Yeah, but I don't rabbit miss ears. holding those antenna for my dad, because if I let go, the picture went fuzzy <laughs> yes, again. Yes. Uh, 
That was a fact. Like when I wanted to watch Star Trek, and it wasn't, it was like all fuzzy. You could go up to it and just like a, a, It wasn't just that you were holding it; it's that the position of your body, where your left oh, yeah. arm was. Yeah, you're not wrong. You made a good reflector. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what is it? A one dollar antenna, and we can <laughs> yeah. sniff out. Hold on. And, we can and sniff about out a twenty-five dollar software-defined yeah, radio. Yeah, okay. yeah this is wired. Wired Cat Six cabling, maybe not yeah. very good cable, but that's Jeremy. Tell How us close about what this. is this cable? Did they take the shielding off of it? No, hmm. no, they did not. <laughs> that's the scary part. And they were within four meters, but that might have been the one dollar antenna they picked up. If they went for okay. a proper uh, mod or a directional one, they could probably get significantly better, considering how far you can sniff Bluetooth from. Uh, now this is the good news is that this is not new. Uh, we have known about leaky cables for a very long time now, and uh, you know it was actually a concern during World War II um, that uh, some of the RF was escaping from certain wiring. And there's been a couple of other attacks doing it, but this one is scary because just about anyone can set it up. Like software-defined radio is a little bit to wrap your head around, and then once you've got it, you've got it. Pointing an antenna at something is not. Now, their proof of concept, they were reading UDP packets, and they were slowing them down. Uh, But again, I think if you've paid more for the software-defined radio so it could uh, get things, like not necessarily receive at a higher frequency, but deal with a higher volume of packets to be able to uh, transcribe stuff into human-readable speech or human-readable text... Or if you had already infected the machine with something that, you know, did slow down the UDP packets, which being UDP isn't going to care all that much because, you know, they'll get there or not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit scary for, uh, you know, being able to monitor certain UDP communications. It's unlikely to be used in many things, but... Just the fact that you can bloody well do it on cheaper cable that, you know, obviously isn't outdoor rated or properly uh, expensively shielded. It's it's a little bit scary because you, you figure you got something air gapped and they're actually talk, catching the communication between the two air gap machines. And and that was like 12 to 15 freedom units, by the way, not meters. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we should all just go optical. Yeah, there's ah. no way to intercept and, and look at pulses far of light. Not without breaking it. As far as you know. Yeah. I mean, you can, but it, it involves some equipment and resplicing, and yeah. I did a headset review. It was a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, that was great, thanks. It was the Epos <laughs> H3 hybrid gaming headset. It's called hybrid because you can connect it with USB, with 3.5 millimeter analog, like the last H3 that I reviewed. Or with Bluetooth, which is, of course, the big feature of this one, because everybody loves Bluetooth. And I will just skip to... uh, The design is actually... Here's the one interesting point of the design that differentiates it from other gaming headsets that I've looked at. The whole thing is magnetically attached to the ear cup. And you can just pull it off the left ear cup and have no mic. There's actually a built-in mic on the headset, so you have, like, a a smaller mic. And it comes with a cap to cover the um, unsightly hole left behind. There's a little plastic cap here. So I tested it in various different ways, and it sounded best wired. It sounded okay as a Bluetooth headset. 
I was hearing a little distortion when I turned the volume up very high. So it seems like the onboard amplifier in this isn't the strongest. And unfortunately, even the analog connection requires it because the analog connection is converted to digital, amplified, and then I would say if you listen at moderate volume levels, like 50% or lower, this sounded great and it had very good bass and control of the bass. But uh, if you turn it up very loud at all, you start hearing distortion. It was at its worst from the 3.5 millimeter input. It got better with a wired connection, but uh, or the digital wired connection. It was, it was, I did not find it to be an acceptable experience with 3.5 millimeter audio at all. And it's $179. You have to want Bluetooth plus USB wired to really want this, I think, compared to even other EPOS headsets like the GSP 370, which does use a dongle. A lot of the ones that I've heard that are better do use a dongle. So if you cannot embrace the dongle lifestyle, if you have to have Bluetooth, then perhaps you would be interested in this, unless you listen at high volume levels, in which case you might not. Okay. Picks of the week. Who's Who's got the uh, the switch? Is this you, John? I, I, I got the Microtech. Okay. From uh, Lithuania. These guys are like challenging Cisco at a quarter of the price. I mean, their, their OS is not fantastic, but it's workable and they've got a GUI that you can do, or they've got, you know, a a more traditional type, you know, programming type language on it. It comes out in the box as a layer two gigabit, you know, 10 gigabit switch, 12 ports, four of them combo ports. So you could have copper and fiber. Uh, The thing is a little loud. It can do layer three type things if you want it to. But that takes uh, that takes some of the overhead, you know, that in, in, that increases the overhead uh, because the the controller in there is not the most robust. But I tell you, when you just have it in layer two and uh, you're running 10G, multiple servers, and even in your house, uh, it's not horribly loud. You put that in the closet, and you can attach all your 10G and your 5G and your 2.5 gigabit ethernet to it and it just works and it works fantastically and uh they they update them often and uh yeah we've been ecstatic at this at work 12 port 590 bucks 10 gig, i mean it's full 10 gig across it's not hey we've got eight one g ports and and two ten no it's it's all 12 are 10 g and it's it's such a nicely well-built little switch and and again it it can run a little loud under heavy load but if it's just sitting there it's it's not very loud at all and uh yeah the performance is good um it's a great little product for the price if you're you're setting up a backbone for your home or uh for for your basic and work yeah you can't beat it it's amazing what if you could put some like noctua fans in there or Probably poles in the top, put giant heat sinks on it. Yeah, you could. <laughs> I have the uh, the desktop version of this. It's like a six port, five port one. Mm-hmm. So I'm familiar familiar with their OS. It actually works pretty good, but it does run it hot does. when you've got uh, transceivers in the SPF plus ports. I guess you don't call them transceivers anymore, but it does uh, run pretty hot with those in there. Huh. But, um, that's just hot. that's just 10G, you know? That's just 10GBE now. Yeah. I tend it's to agree. Hot. 
my my QNAP native 10G switch does not get quite as hot. Whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm not okay. sure what is happening with your voice. Let's move to Nothing. the next pick, Jeremy. <laughs> UWP is dead. Long live UWP. Huzzah. Yes, finally. That, that was sort of my pick. But if you are Canadian and you are quick... Uh, apparently, Mike's computer shop has some cards in the pipeline. So if you go there and you buy and put down uh, your money, you are guaranteed to get this in the not too distant future. And at $1,500, it is Canadian. That is essentially MSRP for Canadian uh-huh. for a 1080 Ti. Uh, and still cheaper than the US by significant amounts. Uh, if that's a little rich for your blood, he's got a, I think it was a 1060, uh, or 1060, a 3060 as well, and uh, possibly even a 3070. So it, it's damn well the only way you're going to get one of these things at anywhere close to MSRP. So if you're in Canada and you've got the money to do it now, I would kind of suggest it. And they've got a, you also get a 20% uh, Noctua gift card off your next purchase for the good for the next, mm. hopefully, year, not this calendar year, but good for a year because I don't know that you'll necessarily get it for Christmas, but you will definitely have one coming some point. Would you be and sticking? Well, they just opened up the border. So, well, that's easier now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just get that enhanced passport or wait, I think in Michigan, I have to have an enhanced ID or a passport to get over the border. We do require passports now. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Still technically the world's longest undefended border, but it now needs a passport. <laughs> Brett, what you got? Finish. All right. What I've got, this reminded me of, of, uh, of Josh's uh, days of racing. Maybe he'll come back someday, but this is One day. A, very af- a very affordable way to get into sim racing from a uh, chair perspective. Woot is offering this PlaySeat Evolution gaming chair for $255. Normally, this is about $320. So this is a very reasonable, about $70 off or so. Uh, and the platform and, and holders uh, are very sturdy. The uh, seat is uh, definitely one of those bolstered uh, seats. So if you're into the sim racing scene uh, and are looking for $255 is really affordable for a full metal uh, holder platform for the uh, the pedals uh, and a real uh, relatively real you know racing seat with a with a real aluminum platform underneath it it's just downright affordable if you're a, a sim racing fan because these sorts of things can cost double or triple and even this one regularly price take a look on Amazon it's in the lower 300s so 255 off a of woot right now using the link that will be someday in the notes. Just go look at it on Woot if you can't find it. Uh, here, go get one if you're into it. You know, the the one thing that I, I've never liked about those hmm. is the the pull in the middle in between your legs. Yeah. Especially if you're doing three pedal. That you're you're often banging your knees on that thing. So oh, pay attention to what kind true. of pedals you got and how you're gonna use it. Uh, it should be fine True. for most people, but uh, yep. just something to uh, to be aware of. 
Knocking knees is not fun. Not indeed. Those, at least. Totally well, true. If not, you're going to be clutching, if you're going to be clutching, the then you might want to consider it. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my actually my Momo pedal set does not have a clutch pedal, so I guess I'm so, I'm a pretender. You're good. You're fine. All right. All right. It's not it's not real sim racing then, is it, Brett? Nah, it's sim sim sim. It's a simulation of sim esque. Sim light. It's a sim of sim racing. <laughs> it's like there's Sim City and then there's the Sims, and you're on like the Sims side of sim racing, <laughs> not the Sim City side. Okay, my pick this week is it's not an actual pick. It's just something I want. I want. I don't have one of these. Of all the hardware I have access to, I don't have this specific generation of Pentium 4 on hand. But I wish I did, because Notebook Check had an interesting article this morning. Or not this morning, it was a couple mornings ago. Intel Pentium 4 processors running Windows 11. Now, this is how I would embrace Windows 11. Just as an FU to Microsoft for their ridiculous hardware requirements for this. And it just... it There's a loophole, basically. The... Netburst has always been a loophole. Yeah. So you can get a Pentium 4 661 and install Windows 11 on it. Because it's apparently it's hyper-threaded and it's got a 3.6 gigahertz boost clock. And uh, some users out there apparently have gotten Windows 11 running on it. And supposedly Windows Update still works too. This is I would like to test this myself if I had the hardware, but... I just, it's pretty funny. I, I'm sure I have some Netper somewhere. Maybe at an old laptop. I don't know when I'm even going to go to Windows 11. It's disappointing. Why would you? Why would you right now? I, I'm not. All right. I'm, I'm seeing another Vista here. Oh, that's that's harsh right now. Are you sure? Why? Hey, I didn't call no, it no, ME. No, no, Windows ME. I, yeah, I didn't go Ooh. that far. Wow, that's really See, harsh. being nice. That's, that's harsh. <laughs> I think on this note, we will end the show for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I have a feeling we'll have more to talk about in the, you know, the realm of PC hardware. But until then, uh, thanks for listening and or watching. I have nothing else to say. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>